In a world where all the movies are about superheroes, two friends team up to talk about movies from a simpler time, a time before iPhones. They'll search for deeper meaning, mock things they don't like, and of course, there will be spoilers. Please join Terrence McHenry and Hollis Lazzarini as they get real nostalgic. Hey, everybody. Hey, what's going on? Here we are. Back again. With another movie in the book. In the books. It's like it's like the Magna Carta. It's history. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> history was made and then we're making it again. Totally. Not a do-over. No, no. Just a contribution. Yes. If totally. you will. Yes. And this week we're uh we're getting into the, to your pick, yes. Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. One of my favorites as a young man in nineteen eighty four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was twelve. So it was like a little bit on the risque side, you know, because of all the cursing and everything. You know, at twelve, of course, I was versed in cursing. I knew all the words. <laughs> I used right. them I used them properly, you know. Um but it was still like one of those movies where you had all the cursing. Of course, Eddie Murphy's mouth is pretty filthy, and and then of course there's a bit of nudity when they're in the um, in the strip club, and you know just all the stuff that goes that came with the movie. But yeah, most definitely one of my favorite movies growing up. One of my favorite movies as an adult, and still one of my favorite movies. Like. Again, it's one of those movies you've watched it so many times and you know it's coming and it still makes you laugh. Definitely. I love those kind of movies. Yeah. Yeah. So this one was directed by Martin Brest mm-hmm. and the budget. All right. This is this is crazy. So the budget was fourteen million. Okay. It's first weekend, opening weekend, it did fifteen million. Budget was fourteen first opening weekend. Opening weekend. So two days basically. Just done. We've made our money. Yeah. US gross. Two hundred and thirty-four million dollars. Wow! And then it sounds like a this was just like a cherry on top worldwide. Mm-hmm. In addition, eighty-one million. Wow, that's crazy. This really <laughs> put him on the map. I think as like an actor. Well, it's crazy I mean? because this this movie was it was a top-grossing R-rated movie for nineteen years until wow. two thousand three, when the Matrix Matrix Reloaded, huh. like usurped them and yeah. the two <laughs> i like that usurped yeah i heard that for the first time in this show called vikings oh really yes <laughs> <laughs> i dig it though nice use of words ah, that's great vocabulary you. yes go ahead <laughs> so one of the things they were saying that i was reading on imdb was that if you if you looked at it like on attendance mm-hmm. this would be the third most attended r-rated film of all time wow what are the other two the Exorcist, nineteen seventy three. Okay. And The Godfather, nineteen seventy two. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. Because when you really get into some of the stuff that happened and and how much shifting there was around this film, this film wasn't supposed to be a comedy. Yeah, not at all. It was five years in the making, just in the in the writing of the script. Mm-hmm. And it was written for Sylvester Stallone. And his brother. Right. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone did his own rewrite and made it even more for him. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And I guess he backed out about three to two weeks before. Eddie Murphy. (laughs) 
Eddie Murphy was kind of called upon to save him. Okay. And I would say he did that and no some. No doubt. And some. He, yeah, he, he did. He really, really knocked it out of the park with this one. <laughs> Coming off the heels of 48 Hours yep. and Trading Places. Yep. And hot, red hot. Yes. hot delirious yes. as well. Yes. And SNL. Yes. He, well, 48 Hours and, um, damn. Trading Places? Trading Places. Two of my other favorite movies so with good. Eddie Murphy. So good. So just pure comedy, everything. And it was this one just, I think, even it obviously eclipsed those in those numbers. But this movie was just perfect in his delivery on everything. And then what you told me about right. how so, he was able to yeah, it's ad lib. Yeah, because yeah. they, I think one of the reasons that they, it might have been a budget reason that they decided to do more of a comedy mm -hmm. and they needed someone who could just improv. Yes. And so Eddie Murphy, most of basically all of the comedy that you see, all of the comic lines was improv on the set. They say that hundreds of takes were ruined <laughs> <laughs> because either the director or a cast member or a crew member would laugh during a take because they just that you never knew what you're gonna say there was moments where they were squeezing their leg like just doing anything to yeah. not laugh and ruin the take because eddie murphy was just destroying them pure comedy at that point in his so life so sure. great yeah let's just get into it let's so it. we we meet axel after we have some really cool establishing shots of detroit yes and it's detroit doesn't look like that at all anymore and so no. it's really 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 trippy yeah no doubt when we meet axel He's in the back in the back of a semi with you know rows and boxes full of cigarettes. Yes, and uh, he's bartering with two dudes. Then you just know something's gonna happen when you see the cop car goes by. Oh, I I actually on the first the first time I watched it, uh -huh. I didn't I didn't really you see didn't it see in the background. Really? Okay. But this the when I watched it again, I see in the, the car and he's like, Wah, and then it stops. And then reverses. And he goes back. <laughs> It was great. And they're so engaged with each other in the the fact that the money is like three grand short that they don't even realize that the cops have rolled up on them. Right. And the cops let them know by chirping the horn. And the guy, like Eddie's standing there with like the two grand, and the guy's like, well, okay, I'm out of here. You know, and he takes the money back and he's going to split. And the cops have their interaction. And then this chase scene is amazing. It was pretty like destructive it really is not as destructive as our blues brother no. movie. not nearly but they were tearing some fucking cars up going down that street and just knocking stuff around but i was super impressed by how long that because it was like a double trailer truck so i was impressed how long they stayed attached Oh, I know. He was going a long time before that. And in high rates of speed, just making turns that you didn't think that a truck like that could make. Like, it was some crazy shit going on with that ride. And to be in Eddie Murphy's position, like, that, that'd have to be scary. You know what I mean? Like, No, thank you. Yeah, no thanks right there. Especially, I mean, this dude is not a professional truck driver. No, not at all. Not his thing. <laughs> when they finally crash. Yes. The cops, they all are just, you know, they're they're telling Axel, you know, freeze, freeze, freeze. Yes. And no, 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 no. And then all of a sudden they just realize, oh, it's you. <laughs> Axel. And he just kind of does his Eddie Murphy smile. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> he's great. <laughs> yeah. Because when he's getting chewed out, it seems as if, yeah, you, you, you got 
who you were targeting, but mm-hmm. look at all of the damage and yeah, the cost. No doubt. And his captain minces no words. None whatsoever. I love that character. I, 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 I got to remember what his name is. But he has that typical, like, old school black dude look. His name is Gilbert Hill. And I love the way he talks. His his is it vernacular? Is that the right? Mm-hmm. I love him and and Eddie Murphy's interaction together is is classic. Like he's chewing Eddie Murphy's ass out. Like he's just telling him everything that he did wrong. And then it's like he kind of breaks him down, and then he kind of builds him up because he tells him, you know, you're a great police officer. You know, you got so much potential, but, you know, a fuck-up like this, you know, you're lucky I don't fire your ass. And he's like, I just got my ass chewed out, or the governor talked to shit, and then he's like, and then he chewed my ass out. You see, I ain't got none of it left. And then he turns around to walk away. Yeah. <laughs> and Eddie Murphy's like, Captain, and he's like, what? He's like, he didn't chew all your ass off. You so he's like, don't fuck with me, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> One of the taglines for the movie in Australia was something like, he has to take the heat in Detroit, but uh. learns how to play it cool in, in Beverly Hills or something like that. <laughs> One of the things that's funny is it's called Beverly Hills Cop, yes. but he's a Detroit cop. Yes, no doubt. So which Beverly Hills Cop is it about? Mm. And I kind of want it to be about Rosewood because yeah. he's awesome. So Eddie goes home. Yep. It's crazy because, you know, when you walk in your house and something's awry, like the door's open. The door is ajar. Hmm. Yeah. I'd freak the hell out Not myself. my thing. Nah, I, I probably wouldn't. I mean, first of all, I don't carry guns, so... I could get why he had the confidence to go into his home. If I were to go up and find my door ajar, I would abruptly turn a 180 and go elsewhere yes. and kind of investigate from the, the distance. You know what I mean? Maybe call the, the cops. Because <laughs> I know I closed and locked my door before I left. Yes. Um, but he goes in and he finds his friend Mikey Tendino. With, and it's so strange to me whenever I see this in movies where the, somebody just leaves a refrigerator door open. Yes. <laughs> I've never understood it. It's never made me sense either. to me. And I love that that's the first thing he kind of comments on. Yeah. You're, like, I still have to pay my electricity bill. Can we close my refrigerator door, please? <laughs> Asshole. Make yourself at home, you know? <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing about Axel. I love Axel Foley, by the way. Great character. He's no doubt. so awesome. Is that. He he's almost the definition of even keel. Yeah. I mean, this guy. It doesn't things don't really get him like that. It just he doesn't let it show. I think it's in. It, he just it's really he knows how to use it. It doesn't yeah. use him. Well, he, he, he figures out ways to deal with it mm-hmm. without being outwardly aggressive in any way. Or yeah. like he, he I don't really feel like you ever see him be emotional in any way about this. No, I, I, I agree with you. I think you see it kind of in his eyes. Like there are the times when he's talking, you know, after things have gone down and he's talking to Victor Maitland and you see him, this just the way he looks forward and, and he's just so like, it's like he's right in Victor Maitland's eyeballs. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's where you see it, but you don't see the emotion on his face. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just poker face, but the eyes, I think. Yeah. Tell it all. You know what I mean? And he, he does that thing of just kind of making th- making light of things in this way mm-hmm. to be disarming. He's he's so smart. Yes. So, yeah, they go out. They're reunited. Happy they go to have see a, each yeah, other. Yeah, have a, have a drink. Yeah. See some crazy billiards action, as yeah, you were yeah. telling me. And so, yeah, so they, they show this scene where uh, 
Michael Tandino's playing pool against some guy, and the guy says he's going to make a shot. He says, oh, it's going to eight ball corner pocket, two cushions. And Michael Tandino is quick. He goes, 50 bucks, you can't make that shot. And he goes, make it 100. And he's like, all right. <laughs> and so when they first show it, they show the cue ball. There's the red ball, which is, I think, the number three ball solids. And then there's the eight ball, which maybe it's not the red. It's the actual the stripes one. Okay. I think it's number 13. Mm -hmm. And that ball is not in the way of the cue ball, but it's it's there. Okay. And then when they show him actually take the shot, it's like clear table, <laughs> just the eight ball and the cue ball, and he double banks it, and of course it goes in the pocket, and Michael Tandino. Well, okay, then no wonder Michael didn't think he could make the shot. Yeah. Initially. Yes. No and doubt. then all of a sudden they're like, Whoa! We're gonna clear and like this magic story. happens. And it's like, I can make that shot, no problem. <laughs> Let me just clear these out of the way. <laughs> He counts out his hundred bucks, you know. He's... Like, what do you do? Like, hey, hey, look over there. <laughs> and Eddie Murphy's response to him losing like that is like, you never learn. Same old you, you never learn. And I love the, the when they have a conversation at the bar and he, he's, they're kind of joking, they're reminiscing. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, he says, let's go steal a car. Yeah. And Eddie's like, I can't I do that. that. I'm a cop. You know, I can't do that. And he's like, you know, I remember that time you got arrested because, and he's like, you know, we did all that stuff and you never, you never told on me, you know, why, why didn't you say anything? He's yeah. like, you don't know why? Yeah. You know, it was like this moment, you know what I mean? Between sweet. two really good friends, yeah. no doubt. And yeah. He's like, cause I loved you. Yeah. You know, and then they go back and, they're, I think Mikey is way more hammered than Eddie is because when they get to the stop at the top of the stairs, Eddie has to really kind of stabilize them and get them to like be able to stand up so that he can turn around and open the door. And that's right when he lets him go and he turns, they jump in and hit Eddie in the back of the head and knock him right out. Then they deal with Tandino who has these bearer bonds. In a, yeah. in a paper bag, just carrying them around. Like in each one, I, I was thinking about it, it was 10,000 Deutschmarks. I don't know okay. what that would be in. Oh, we should have done that. But there's an inch stack of them. Right. So is each paper 10,000 Deutschmarks? I think so. Wow, it's a lot of freaking bread. Mm -hmm. And when he said, when he was trying to justify it to him, and he's like, well, I only took a few. I'm like, <laughs> no, that's no, more, no. That's you, a, you took a, you took a stack. <laughs> you took a stack, yo. Mikey, he's like, Mikey. He's like, they were just laying around. I didn't think you'd notice. <laughs> you kidding you me? You didn't that's, think they'd notice. That's like 200 grand maybe or something like that. You don't think like these people are in the business of noticing things. <laughs> you didn't think they'd notice, but okay. Yeah. And then, and, and the poor guy, he's so naive, you know, yeah. because when he's walking him away and he's like, all right, Mikey. You he's know, like, it's just never, never come like, back. If you show your face again, he's like, no, I won't. I won't. Mikey really feels like he's going to let him go. Not so much. Not so much at all. He and catches him in the suplex or solar, solar plex. Is that mm -hmm. what this is right here? Knocks the wind right out of him and then just two to the head. Oh, my God. Quick. Ugh. And that's, it's really, really crappy. Yeah. You know, he, he wakes up to find that his, his, his buddy's been killed. Yeah, dead. Then he has to go downstairs and deal with the lieutenant and all the cops and stuff. And he's sitting there and he's obviously got a bruise on the back of his head and not from being hit. And the lieutenant tells him to to go to the hospital to get it checked out. And Eddie's like, no, I'll be fine. And he's like, that's an order. And then he then Eddie kind of gets upset because he hears that he's putting other people on this case that's 
that's his buddy and he wants to be a part of it. But obviously for reasons which the lieutenant is right, Eddie can't be right. Or excuse me, Axel can't be on this case, but he's, he's, he's obviously invested in this. It's his friend. And so, and that's, this is the, the brilliance of, I think one of the, what it really starts to show that with Axel, he, he's like, Oh, okay. I'm, then I'm, I'm like to take my vacation and yeah. he knows it's transparent. Oh, no doubt. He knows this man's not an idiot. Yes, no doubt. But then he just plays naive. And, and the guy's like, really? He's like, yeah, you know, I just yeah. I just need to rest a little bit. Yeah, he's you know, like, I haven't had any time off in a long time. Never yeah. had a vacation. So it's just kind of time. Yeah. You know, and, and he's like, all right. Like, okay, he's but. Like, but if I find out you're working this Tandino case. You're so screwed. Yeah, he's like, it's going to be the longest vacation you ever had. <laughs> yeah, like you don't work here anymore. That's it. It's over. It's a wrap. Yeah. And he's like, okay. Yeah. And the next thing we know. Yeah. And, and actually, I thought about something. There's the scene right when Eddie's actually coming home for the first time to actually find Mikey Tandino, where he pulls up in his crappy blue Chevy Nova, as his friend calls it. Mm-hmm. And he pulls up to the curb to park it. But when he gets out of the car, the car still lurches forward. Remember that? And he's yeah. got to jump in and like push in the emergency brake to yeah. make it stop. So in Friday... Eddie, uh, not Eddie. <laughs> Ice Cube <laughs> and Chris Tucker are driving in Chris Tucker's like Pinto, and he pulls up to the curb, and the car does that same thing, like it does that lurch forward, and Chris Tucker's got to jump in and do the same thing to kind of okay. like lock it up. And so I wonder if something like that influenced Ice Cube when he was writing this movie and little very, like very that. possible. Yeah, yeah, I like that kind of stuff. Me too, because it's. You know, they may know each other, they may not. Mm-hmm. But if if this movie had an influence, an impact on Ice Cube, and he wants to give that nod, it's cool. Yeah, very It's a cool, cool thing. I agree 100%. What's funny is I didn't believe that that car could make the 2,500-mile trek <laughs> from Detroit <laughs> to Beverly Hills. The Maybe. stretch. He couldn't Here we even, go again. He couldn't even get it to stay in park when he got out of it's it, true. but it would like make it all the way to Beverly Hills and back. Like, I think, to I think Axel would tell you it was just quirky. <laughs> it's just a quirky vehicle. It's just one of those things. Yeah, no doubt. Otherwise solid. solid, solid as a rock. Solid as a rock. And he, I mean, he basically pulls up and to, to me, it feels like the first hotel he sees. Yeah, no doubt. Like he pulls into Beverly Hills, he sees all the things and then, yeah, he pulls up to the very first hotel as a car is pulling out, like a limousine, I think, pulls out Yeah. and he pulls his car up. Yes, the bus boy, he's like, hey, is this, is it, is this like a pretty expensive place to stay? And he's like, that's pretty reasonable for he's like, it's Beverly not, Hills. He goes, not for Beverly Hills. Yeah. yeah. And so he, he goes, do you have any bags? He's like, yeah, my bag's right there in the front seat. And the guy grabs it at first and then do you see him? He's like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bag didn't look that bad where he needed to be like worried about it like that. Right. And then I love the next interaction. And I now that you told me that Eddie Murphy got to like improvise like he did, it makes me think that that this scene was improvised. It was. You know what I mean? And so he walks up as the the, the front desk lady at the Beverly Hills Hotel <laughs> is breaking somebody's heart on the phone and telling them so that, that there's no yeah, that there's no rooms available and that she suggests that they call at least a week in advance. There's nothing in she order can do to get them a room and there's nothing that she can do. No. And I love how Eddie Murphy's first response to her is the nerve of some people. You know, like, yeah. like 
how dare they try to do such a thing? He's like, anyways, I'll take my room, please. Yeah. You know, it'll be under Axel Foley. And she's like, hmm, yeah, there's there's nothing under Axel Foley. He's like, oh, it's probably under Rolling Stones magazine, Axel Foley. <laughs> you know. And she's like, no, there's not that, you know? And then he goes into his tirade, you know? Which was so good. So classic, like. And he's telling her, he's like, well, you know, I was going to write this piece called Michael Jackson. Jackson. Sitting on top of the Beverly Hills Hotel. But now it's going to be Michael Jackson was going to sit on top of the Beverly Hills, but they won't let a black man, you know? Because I know what's going on here. <laughs> and then the manager steps in. He, as soon as he hears that, he's like, uh-oh, hops up, gets to the counter. What is going on? But this is what I loved about this movie, is it was at a time when everybody trusted everybody. Mm. He gets in there, and they don't take a credit card. They don't take... ID they don't show anything like that. Oh wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it really I think it really was kind of a time when it was kind of like that. You could go to a hotel and mm-hmm. check in and they just felt like, yeah, you're gonna pay us. It's right. cool. And he stays in like one of the nicest hotels that are in Beverly Hills he gets at the a time. Sweet. Yeah, for the regular room rate. Heck yeah. And he's like, Well, what's the regular room rate? And he's like, two hundred and thirty eight dollars a night. This is nineteen ninety four people. Eighty four. Yeah, 1984, excuse me, yes. Yeah. And $284 a night. And he's like... Insane. Yeah, and so they they all freeze kind of for a minute. I think it kind of has to settle into Eddie Murphy how much money this is going to cost. And he's like, that'll be fine. That'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once he gets settled in and he goes to find his mutual friend, another yes. friend from his childhood, sounds yes. like, named Jenny. yes. And Jenny, she works at an art gallery, and she also, that gallery is owned by a a man named Victor. Yes, Victor Maitland. And of course, Axel knows all of this Mm -hmm. before he even shows up, but he he comes and he's playing it cool, and it's so great, because who do we see? But the, I can't remember his name right now, but the actor who played Falky in Perfect Strangers. And he destroys this scene it's so great he does he's so good what i heard this. about this scene was that it was actually meant for somebody else and two people as a matter of fact yeah and but then when he came in and did that accent mm-hmm. they were like you're the one this is it and i wonder if it was i thought i kind of felt like it was supposed to be the other guy that came in it was supposed to, to be both of them actually yeah. okay and and actually, the, and so he doesn't even get a line. Yeah. But when he walks in and he's got the open collar. <laughs> and and he chest. <laughs> Serge looks at him and he like, he like kind of like flicks the collar well, and he says. When the guy walks up and he's doing the, he can't say Axel, it's Akmel. Yeah. And, and Axel keeps correcting him and he keeps getting it wrong. The guy walks up and he, first thing he does is you notice you, he looks right at the guy's chest. It's like the first thing you notice that he does. Yeah. And then he starts talking to him. But every time he's talking to him, he keeps looking at the guy's chest. And it's just funny. And then finally he's like, what you're saying there. It's, yeah. It's, what, what is this? It's yeah. not sexy. It's not it's... sexy. <laughs> it's animal. It's animal. And he's just so grossed out by it. It's 
He's great. (laughs) And then Perfect Strangers came after this. Oh, did it? Okay. It got this. And then so Surge and his whole accent and everything like that, it was all rolled into Balky. Wow. And I can't, what was the line? I can't remember the line in Perfect Strangers, but it was, it also inspired in this, he says, don't be stupid. Uh, he just keeps saying, don't be stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, oh, don't be ridiculous. Yeah, yes. In Perfect Strangers, yes, don't, don't be, be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous, yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I haven't thought about Perfect Strangers in so I long. I loved that show. I did too. Oh my goodness. Very... Nice. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so he goes and sees Jenny and their back and forth is funny. Because he tells her, I think she's beautiful and she looks fantastic. And he tells her, well, she makes fun of him. And then he tells her that she's filled out, but that she looks old. Oh, right. <laughs> she's like, low you. blows. You know? <laughs> Dude. And so then she's got to break it down. He's got to break it down to her about Mikey. Right. And that's the other thing yeah. that is so interesting to me. And in, in the way he plays Axel is that. He knows he has to tell her this hard news. Yeah. He kind of takes a pause. And, and that, I think that's almost what prepared her. To me, it also communicated. I thought the scene played well to, to illustrate that they would have known each other for a long time. Yeah, no doubt. He leaves there. Uh-huh. And he works his way. <laughs> Actually, I love the scene because he walks up with a bouquet of flowers to yes, the receptionist. To, go to, to Victor and, Maitland, yes. And he's like, this is for Victor. And she's like, oh, cool. Okay. I'll, I'll get that. I'll Leave get that right here, up there. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. I, I must take them out no. myself. Flower delivery is my life. <laughs> <laughs> Floral, excuse me. Floral delivery is my life is what he says. To <laughs> Just like He's already halfway up yeah. the stairs. There's Before nothing she, can, she yeah. can do. Absolutely nothing. And when he walks in and he's, you know, Victor's, he comes off as a scary dude until mm-hmm. I realize he's straight up wearing a kimono. Yes. But what I noticed what about. Is, what? Yeah. What? What is this? <laughs> what, what What? in the world is he doing? Why? He's chilling in, the, in his office. Victor Maitland had absolutely no poker face. No. So Eddie Murphy comes in and he says, how did you get in here? And he's like, I let myself in. I think he's going to at first reach to like maybe push the security button or whatever. And then Eddie Murphy brings up Michael Tandino and Victor Maitland immediately looks over at Zach. Mm -hmm. No response. Just looks over at Zach. Like no poker face already. You're guilty. Like you can like Axel is a cop. So he knows at that point. So um, I, that just cracked me up about how he had absolutely no poker face in that point. And I almost feel like with him, that he's reached this level in his crime boss, whatever, mm-hmm. that that people with power, they do that. It's like, I don't have to hide it. Yeah. You know, okay. like, I'm I'm just that bad. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and like, oh, you're so clever. You've figured it out, Axel. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, he doesn't care at all. Yeah. And it's like, Mikey to him yeah. was like, I mean, it's amazing he even knows Mikey's name. For sure. To my, For sure. In my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And so they, they're just, he's done with this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I did it. What? Yeah. And so then next thing you know, there's six dudes standing there and they grab Axel up 
and carry him downstairs and proceed to throw him through a like a plate glass window. A perfectly good window. A perfectly good window. When and there I, was a door somewhere. Like right there. Like right <laughs> next to it. it. So it made absolutely no sense. But I love how the cops roll up on him and they draw their guns on him and and tell him to get up against the car and they're telling him that and they're so calm when they find the gun on. Oh, I know, right? They're so calm, like so calm, like gun partner, like not like no, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. And then they tell him what he's getting. He's like, "What am I being arrested for?" And he's like, "Disturbing the peace and." What was it the, was possession possession of a, of, of a weapon of a weapon and disturbing the peace and he goes what's the charge for getting thrown out of a car jaywalking yes <laughs> <laughs> i love that too but he never like they said at one point they asked him well why didn't you identify yourself as a police officer he never does ever no anytime that he has dealings with like the police like and I, I thought that was an interesting question and an interesting strategy mm-hmm. because it seems to me Axel's take on it is, is why do why would I have to tell you that? Yeah. Is, you know, technically I'm just on vacation. Yeah. From their perspective, it's like if you're one of us, you should tell us you're one of us. For sure. Because it kind of changes things. For sure. Like he's interacting with the cops as he's driving, as oh, they're driving yeah. him. And he's like, this is the nicest police car I have ever been in. It's like so clean, you know, and all this. <laughs> and one of the things I think that they kind of show is mo- all these cops are like perfect, almost model-esque, like, but it's like Beverly Hills. And I think it's like something that they're trying to like portray, like that that's how Beverly Hills is kind of going to be. Like all these cops are like these perfect looking cops. And then you find... Taggart and Rose, Rosewood. Rosewood, and they're not that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But they're detectives. I think they're kind of a higher level, right? But even their boss was that statuesque. You know what I mean? Like, and- well, and you find out right away what is kind of behind that. I yes. think because when you meet Taggart, and Taggart's immediately frustrated with Axel. Yes, and Rosewood's really passive. Yes. He's always kind of looking to Taggart, you know, like, like, let me see what Taggart does. And then I'm going to kind of go off that. Mm-hmm. So Taggart just lets it real Axel get under his skin right away. And next thing you know, they're kind of up in each other's faces, squaring off. And, yeah. and Taggart just punches him right in the stomach, right in the stomach. And Axel just kind of takes it like right. a champ. You he know? has to sit down. He he, yeah. He's, he gets folded up, but. Yeah, he takes it like a champ for sure. And it's again, it's like, it's like it, what offends him? You know, honestly, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's not even, it's so not a big deal to him. No. He's letting it play out. He's letting, he, he's just, he literally is taking the punches as they come and he, he turns them into something else. Then uh, Lieutenant Bogomil comes out and. Oh, he did not like that. He's like Taggart, you know, and comes out and talks to, to Axel first and then takes Taggart away and talks to him and then comes back and makes him apologize to Axel and then asks Axel if he wants to press charges against Taggart and Axel's like are you kidding me you right know? and I, I loved his integrity with that you know what I mean like yeah where him, I'm from we don't yeah, do we that don't do that and then, and then I love that Bogomil even his response to that well where I'm from you know they don't do that we don't do that either and, and, and I think that's when you see that he's the guy who's setting the tone. And his tone is, we do everything by the letter. Yes, by the we, book. That's it. Yeah. And that is the standard. They find out 
who Axel is. Yes. And he's like, I got a message from your captain. Yeah, he's like, he hears him say that, and he's just like, oh no, he's like, man, I'm on, I'm, I'm in trouble here. And if they find out you're working on the Tandino case out here, you know, you, you won't have a job to come back to, basically. Yeah. That's what he tells him. And so he's like, I'll be good. You know, yeah. Scout's honor. Yeah. And Jenny comes to bail him out. Mm-hmm. And when he sees what her car is, he goes, this yes. is your car. Yeah. And she <laughs> goes, oh, no, we just picked the first one that we see. <laughs> In Beverly Hills, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then she was like, I remember you used to drive that crappy blue Chevy Nova. What do you drive now? And he's like, that same, that same uh, crappy, crappy blue, blue Chevy Nova. Yeah. <laughs> And so they get back to the hotel and he sees that they that the cops are following him. Mm-hmm. And I loved this. I loved the scene when Rosewood and Taggart think they're so slick. Yeah. And he's Axel's three steps ahead of him. For sure. And he's also a couple steps ahead of Jenny because he he already knows what he wants to do and how it's all going to line up clearly yeah. when you see the sequence play For out. Sure. And so he's ordering food. She's like, you know, just kind of taken in the suite. Mm-hmm. And he's sending the food down. Then there's the scene. And did you notice who the, the young man was in the lobby? Williams. First film he's ever been in. Really? Mm-hmm. This was his film debut. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And that scene actually wasn't supposed to happen either. And the script it was supposed to be potatoes. Oh, okay. But they, they couldn't get access to the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So they came up with this little banana scene so i love how he gives him the bananas he's like he kind of looks around and he's like here have the bananas you know what i mean yeah and yes i love how everyone wants to work with axel yes because you see that and then when he goes out there and the, you've got the waiter at the at the door you know giving the food to taggart and uh, rosewood and um axel kind of winks at him and he winks back yeah. and it's like everyone just wants to work with no him doubt, it's no so doubt. cool yes so he's stuffing the bananas in the tailpipe while rosewood is enjoying the bass shrimp sandwich someone ordered me a know. sandwich this is so thoughtful and taggart's like i'm not eating that like so it's really salt. good. He's so salty, and, and <laughs> Rosewood is so sweet. I, I love their interactions. Yes. And then, of course, Axel has to let him know that they're on the move and does the, mm-hmm. you know, yep. the wink and wave that he does. And it's funny because the car pulls out, and because the exhaust can't let the air flow out, conks on out. We're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. And he's like, bye. Yeah. So... Yeah, so. And they end up over at a, uh, in a at this warehouse. Yes. And Axel, I don't know what the tip, I don't even know how he got put that together, but doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And they find this crate that had my name on it. Did you see that? It I did was not see weird. That. He finds a bunch of coffee grounds and then he knows exactly what it is. And, yeah. and again, he doesn't. I love how he just, he knows all these things, but he just doesn't feel like he has to share. He's yeah. just like, I just, I'm just doing. Figures it out. Yeah. Like he's I'm just, doing his own. I'm like, doing my investigation. Yes. And sweet, you drove him here. That's awesome. But then, uh-oh, there's uh, a people coming in. Yeah, they got to hide. And they're pulling out more of those uh, 10,000. Those bearer bonds. Yes. yes. 10,000 Deutschmarks. So they, uh, they, they try to tail these guys and, and. He he sees that they end up at that warehouse, a mm-hmm. larger warehouse. Yes. And then he's like, "Okay, I got I got to get Jenny out of here." Yeah. 
and clearly he really knows what he's doing and no doubt. and he's just so adaptable i really actually love this scene he's fearless yeah you and know what i mean i just i love the way that the whole scene plays out because it it's another example of what happens when someone's confident mm-hmm. and they just it's like they're so assured in what they're saying to you that you don't question it it's like he's supposed to be there yeah it's it plays so great because every single person like when he walks into the warehouse and the guy walks up to him he's like he calls attention to himself he goes hey hey hi guys like hi what the security guys like like, what what and he's like yeah hi can you come over here for a second yeah yeah. You got a match? You got a match? He's, he's like, like you, you can't, can't smoke here. He's like, hey, I'm not going to smoke here. No. I'm going to smoke outside. Right. And the guy gives him a match. I need to see your supervisor <laughs> yeah. immediately. And he flashes his badge. <laughs> and he just, it's like he doesn't even worry about who's coming next. No. It doesn't matter because no. he's going to be able to manipulate the situation to his benefit and what he wants to get out of it. And the next thing you know, he's got four different dudes looking through the file cabinets and pulling all the records that he wants. And the second one dude questions him, he goes, like, it's like, how dare you? And like, he just turns around. He's like, was that your Porsche outside? I've seen the IRS come in here and they'll crawl right up your ass with a microscope. Do you want to be under that microscope? And the guy's like, like, no, "Uh, sir. No, sir. And that's not my Porsche out there. I don't know whose Porsche that is. (laughs) And he's like, all right, then I want everybody's full cooperation. And we're going to start with this crate right here. (laughs) Like so specific. He knew which crate he wanted to open up and. Yeah, he he like you say he manipulated them and without question they gave him everything he wanted. He's done some good police work right now. No doubt, no he's doubt. really putting it together. He really is. When he leaves the warehouse, he pops into Rosewood and Taggart's car. Yes. He's like, "Hey guys, yes, what's up? Mm-hmm. Can't we just be friends? Yes, let's be friends. We're all cops. Let's just be friends. <laughs> Want to go get a drink? He's like, uh, I found this really nice place. You're gonna love it. Trust you know, me. it's a beautiful place. And he's like, let's just go have a drink. And they say they, they tell him no, and so he convinces them to go to a strip club, a very conservative place. He says, yes, it's very conservative. It's a very nice. You're gonna love it. And then it's just Eddie Murphy, like in his in his fucking glory i swear because when he said we talked about this a couple weeks ago when he's sitting in the strip club and the song nasty girls in the background (laughs) and he's like he's just moving his shoulders to the music and he's and he's just like he's right there chair dancing and he's like he's just in it but he's surveying the entire room and he's also holding conversation with taggart and rosewood working them at the same time yes yes. and then that's when eddie notices the two guys walk in in that moment, it's almost like, oh, cool. I get to show he's he's really trying to work Taggart because Rosewood is not the one he has to win over. Not at all. And so what he does in this moment is brilliant because he notices this thing that's playing out and he can show Taggart like, look, dude. I'm on your side. Exactly. I'm on your side. I'm on your level. Yeah. And like you may think I'm a, a dead, a, you know, like a fuck up somehow. But actually, check this out. And he's like, he, he even tests him. He's like his, with his own observation. He says. Well, isn't it odd that he's wearing a trench a trench coat in June? It's June, yeah. And and like Taggart kind of like stops and he looks over and yeah. he's like, yeah, that yeah, is. That that is. is. And and he's, he's like, like and check out his buddy over here, and yeah, he's they, like, he's like they came in together. Oh, yeah. And then he's and then he's still like, I can't take my eyes off you. And he's like, this cool, Rosewood will watch me. Yeah. 
you go get that guy. Yeah. And he he puts this whole thing together where everyone wins. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when he wins Taggart over. Yes. And he, you see what he does? He does this quick flip. So he has this really serious conversation with Taggart. So Axel and Taggart are going through this whole thing about what's about to go down. And he has this super serious conversation. And he finally gets, like you say, gets Taggart to go, okay, I see what you got going on here. Let's do this. And so just that quick, he flips from that seriousness to the drunk character that he, oh, that yeah. he plays. And he's like, Phil, I knew it was you, baby. Like, I told you it was Phil. He told me it was, I knew it was you. Phil, baby, give me a kiss, baby. Like, he's like, get out of here, man. <laughs> and it's that quick flip. And he actually does it a few times, which we'll talk about the next one yeah. soon when it comes up. Yeah. But he does this quick flip from serious to this drunk character to having this guy disarmed and the shotgun taken from him and has this guy on the on the ground and he's got it so, done so quickly that Taggart then is able to take the other guy down with like no problems. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's when he really does kind of gain Taggart's respect at least. You may not like him so much, but right. respects him. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it's, I think it is one of those things that when you're dealing with somebody else who does the same job as you mm-hmm. and they're not on equal footing here, no. you know, Taggart is at his job. Yeah. He's doing it in the city he works in. Yeah. Right. And here's this guy who comes in and is like, well, I'm a cop from Detroit, although he doesn't lead with that. No. Ever. And so that's what's kind of interesting. But Taggart's always kind of looking at him like, what kind of detective are you? Mm-hmm. Before I get to the cool police scene, I did want to I did want to talk just briefly about Taggart and Rosewood because. They wanted them to seem like an old couple. Mm-hmm. And so the scene in the car when Rosewood is looking at the paper and he reads this line, this this fact. And what was the fact? Was about how by by the time a man reaches the age of 40, I believe he said. 50. 50 that they have like four or five pounds of undigested meat in their intestines. Yeah. Their intestines, you know. And so Taggart's like, he's like, looks at him and he goes, why are you telling me that? I just think you eat a lot of red meat. (laughs) And the way that it plays was like, it's like this old couple. Mm -hmm. And that's the scene that got them this role because they played it together. These interactions keep happening throughout the film. The other one that we talked about that that we both loved was when Rosewood looks at Taggart and he's like, you know, I think you drink too much coffee. I noticed you drink a lot of coffee. He's like, what, what, what does that have to do with anything? He's like, I just, and I think you have a, that's why you have a problem relaxing. <laughs> and you're right. It's so like a conversation that a, a wife would be having with her husband. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's so great. And like, and they don't see it that way. No. And I think that there are, you know, people in just platonic relationships that have that relationship. No doubt. And it's hilarious no doubt because there's other times when he says to to rosewood he's like when we're done with this he's like i'm gonna get you rosewood he's like you know and it's it's again it's that interaction you know they've known each other for so long yeah and that you know they they obviously care for each other totally you know, they're friends you know what i mean not only that but they work together and i feel like taggart feels like he has to protect rosewood yeah like a fatherly figure in a way yeah and and so when they get back to the station after the strip club Mm -hmm. situation the super cop speech yes the super cop speech was (laughs) also improv okay and it was a rare instance eddie murphy i didn't know this he doesn't typically drink coffee or take any kind of 
any kind of like substances at all. Okay. And so he kept falling asleep and he was really fatigued during these, uh, the police station shoots. Okay. And so they kept saying like, Eddie, just drink some coffee. And he's like, no, 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 no. Well, eventually he caved and he did drink some coffee. Okay. <laughs> Here was born nice. the super cop. The super cop. You can see it's new to them. You mm -hmm. can see yeah. it. Because they're looking at they're looking at Axel as he's telling this story about what happened at the strip club and how they're super cops and how uh, they were so good just staying outside. Yeah. And then when they saw these two, you know, unsavory characters walking in trench coats, they, they knew. They came in and foiled their plan. <laughs> <laughs> and and then Taggart completely blows it. Because Taggart's honest and he, it's his integrity. You and know it's what I mean? the department credo. Yeah, it's the department credo. And so he immediately was like, no, that's not how it went down. He was like, you know, Axel invited us inside. And Roseman goes, but we only had club sodas. You yeah. know, he's like, yeah, we had club sodas. And, you know, Axel noticed the two guys come in to case the joint. And he's like, and before we knew it, Axel had one of them you know, disarmed and disabled. And next thing you know, the, the whole thing was over and nobody got hurt. And I almost felt like in a way, it's like Axel didn't even, he didn't need to be the hero. No. And even though he kind of, he plays it off and then and he's like, it was a perfectly good line. Yeah. You guys screwed it up. But on the other hand, it was almost like he's, he's humble or something yeah. like this thing where it's like, I didn't want that attention yeah, and yeah. I just wanted you guys to shine for sure. You know, and, and also it's a great cover story no for doubt. this whole situation where we can all kind of look good mm -hmm. and then I won't get you in blew trouble. it, but okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that scene's great. And they part on that. And then when <clears throat> Axel goes and finds Victor at the country club. Yes. He now he has enough evidence that he's feeling, un, you know, like I'm, he's going to antagonize him a little bit. Yeah, it's not going to let this guy just think he's like getting away with it. Mm -hmm. And he rolls in. <laughs> it is, it's again, it's again where Eddie or excuse me, Axel does oh. another one of those flips. So he walks in yes. and the Mater D is standing there and you see him go from this very serious look to a very kind of a feminine like softer acting you know and he he has a lisp when he talks and that's when he's like yes i want to see and speak to victor maitland and he's like well why don't you just give me the message and he's like tell him that ramon that he met you know last week <laughs> last week that uh i went to the clinic and <laughs> i have some it was like this herpathimplex yeah. 5000 yeah. and he should go get checked out before some things start falling off yeah and the guy's like um perhaps you should tell him yourself yeah. and he's like i think that would be best yeah. <laughs> And, and you're, you're right. And then he switches right back into, right back into, into now I'm just Axel again. Yeah. And, and he, like he says, he grabs the melon ball. And he's just like, hey, Victor. Because he's like, Vic. Hey, now Vic. it's Vic. Hey, hey, hey Vic. Because he knows. He yeah. knows he's got him. Mm -hmm. He's just got to put it all in But he knows. And, and Vic's pissed that yes. he is seeing him again. Yes. And, and Zach's pissed. Because uh -huh. Zach's got to get up now and try to deal with him. And this time Axel's ready for him. Mm -hmm. Flips him and throws him on the across the the buffet table and down on the ground he's got mashed potatoes all on his face and he's pissed and he wants to get him and Vic just gives him the hand like yeah no calm stop Axel starts talking to him and he's like you know I got you I know it was you and again the cops come because yep 
and he gets arrested. What's he going to do? That's when the, is it the lieutenant is like, listen, listen, Axel, this is like, you are now, you are leaving. And we've got these, you know, these basically three different charges. We will drop them, but you need to go. You got to leave. And then that's when he tells him, okay, hold on, but you need to know what's up with Victor. Yeah. And he's like, you know, forget what you can prove. Just tell me what you know. Yeah. And, and he tells him everything. And yeah. he's like, this is a suspicion. I know I just haven't proven it yet is yeah. the drugs. And that's really all he's interested in is because it's it makes sense. Yes. In this situation, you know, you if you can definitely get him on a tangible charge of drug smuggling, mm-hmm. you know, it's that's a it's a big deal. No doubt. The captain's listening, but he's also like, you can't you can't be a part of this. Yeah. You, you need to go. And so he tells uh, Rosewood to take him back to his hotel, watch him pack, and take him to the city line. Yep, escort him on escort out. Escort him out. And as soon as they get in the car, Eddie starts working Rosewood. Starts right away. So easy. Yeah, like he knows. he's. If that was Taggart, it would have been the show with the movie would have been over at that point. Yeah. But he starts working Rosewood right away and uh, convinces him to take him to the gallery. Yep. to see Jenny again. And and then of course, you know, he because he has to have their assistance. Yes. At this point, he can't he he really can't do it alone at this he point. He cannot, but at the same time, like he tells Rosewood, "No, you can't go inside. You need to stay here. You're a cop. You walk in and the case is thrown out. We don't have any evidence." Right. And I mean, Jenny was not going to be told to stay home. She no. wasn't going to just give up the keys and no. and he tries twice. I know, and I love how she's like He's like, I'm not going to argue with you about this here. And she's like, you're right. Let me go get my car keys. We'll go get in the car and we'll argue about it on the way. Right. <laughs> and then when he's and she's in the back seat, and he's with, you know, and he's looking at Rose when he's like, you got to stay. And then he's looking at her. And he's like, there's no way I can convince you. Is there? And she's like, Mm-mm. she's like, nope, <laughs> I'm going to. Yep. So they make their way into this this warehouse and. Yep doesn't go well for them no, they, they find the drugs yeah, they find them very quickly really quickly but then they get caught just as quickly yeah. being there and and it's always like the folly like i've it's always one of those things you see in movies where the villain has the guy that is about to take him down and all he needs to do is just kill him yeah and they don't he's like i'll leave it to my minions yeah. and then they leave and then and they're like you obviously didn't want to kill him that bad yeah. or you're really not that worried about him because. <laughs> yeah. I love too how he's like, she asks Victor, what are you going to do with him? And his response to her is, you should be more worried about what we're going to do with you. And then Axel says to him, if you hurt her, I'll kill you. And Vic's response to that is that would be a neat trick. Right. Because they're going to kill him. You know what I mean? And so, uh, she, he tells Jenny, "Don't worry, we got coffee and cocaine here. We're gonna get we're gonna get, get wired, wired and have a party. It's <laughs> yeah, gonna be fun." Fine. <laughs> and again, it's that can't be broken. He knows he's in the face of death, and he's making jokes. You know what I mean? Like the best. Yeah, I love it. And and then meanwhile, out in the car, here's Rosewood like second guessing himself. Yeah, you know he can't. He just he's like in. He's just like looking at the door, looking over here, looking at the door, looking over here. Yeah. And then when he sees Jenny come out, yes. And then when they all leave, he's like, uh oh. Uh, And he makes the decision to go inside, and sees Axel under duress and comes in and saves the day. He sure he does. He really does. He saves Axel's life for real, for real. Yep. And it, um, it frees Axel up to then, you know, there's like three guys there. Yeah. To and 
knock the other guys out and beat them up. And what's funny is Eddie Murphy in his roles, he always plays the tough guy, knocks two guys out. And I think Rosewood takes care of the other guy, I think shoots him, um, but totally saves Axel's life in that moment. And then uh, later they have to get to where Jenny has been taken by, by Victor Maitland they're outside the fence and the whole time Axel is working like on working on the fence and um, Taggart figures out where they are. Taggart's pissed. He's like, you were supposed to take him out of town. Like, but I think this is another example of the, the couple dynamic. Okay. Because when he's, when Taggart's at the station still Uh and somebody kind of, they're like, well, where's Rosewood? And he's like, well, I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, and there's this kind of like look of concern. And then when he figures out that Rosewood, he's like, Rosewood's, being stupid again yeah. or something like that and it's like all of a sudden it's like like that husband has to yeah. run out because the wife has made a, a you know fatal error in her judgment <laughs> and and so when he rolls up and sees them yes and he's looking at rosewood there is that kind of thing like, like you know better yeah like, like, what like this you... look of disappointment And, so, and then once he realizes that they're not literally not going to be swayed and like yeah. Rosewood kind of puts his foot down. He's like, I'm going. I'm going. This he's, is happening. Because Axel says, look, I'm going to yeah. I'm going to open this gate and I'm going to go inside. And the only way you're going to stop me is if you shoot me in the back. Like you're going to you're going to have to shoot me. And Rosewood says, me too. Like you're, you're going to have to shoot me like that's. And that's, then that's when you see it again kind of come yeah. into play because he's like, hold on. He's like, all and right. He goes, and it's like he pulls out the shoddy out of the. Out of the trunk. <laughs> so they all, you know, storm the castle. Mm-hmm. The one scene, though, that I think is so weird is that Axel runs up and he's kind of hiding on a on a, le- a level of the terrace, yes. right? And then Rosewood and Taggart seem to be below that terrace level. Mm. And they're trying to climb the wall. And yeah. I'm like, why don't you just go the way he went? Because they're trying to flank him. Okay. But you were right. And, and Taggart didn't have enough upper body strength <laughs> to pull himself up over the wall. And so Rosewood had to help him and they were unsuccessful in the first couple of tries. And then finally he gets up there and Axel thinks it's hilarious because he's like crawling like on over to the, like to the top of the wall. And then he like kind of rests there for a second yeah. because it's a lot of work for him to get up there. And then they start shooting at him. And so he's got to fall to the ground and then it gets serious again and he runs over to where Axel is. And then Rosewood ends up, I think, going the way that Axel went. I think so. And then comes back around that way. And Rosewood's talking to him about how this reminds him of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yeah. And he's like, that's when Taggart says to him, he's like, I'm going to get you when we get out of this. <laughs> One thing I want to I want to take note of on uh-huh. the on here on out okay. is I want to see how consistent it is because when you have the nameless villain, mm-hmm. when they have machine guns, yes. It's like machine gun face. Yes. Like there's this like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's the truth. You're so right. That's awesome. I love and it. So like, there's like always some dude in sunglasses and a suit, and he's making that face. <laughs> You're so right. Oh, that's so cool. That's oh, right. Fuck. So yeah, in that scene, uh-huh. 
all the cops, they all have handguns yes. and then one shotgun. Yes. And so they said, I hate it when they have automatic weapons. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of like, there was this time in our history where the cops were often outgunned. Yes, in LA, with the, it, there was a bank robbery in Hollywood where there was like, a th- I think like three or four guys that had full like body armor, like their whole body was armor. Oh, wow. And the police just didn't have the armory to fight. These guys had not only all this body armor, but had like fully automatic like rifles, like AK-47s. Oh, wow. And so what was funny in that time was there was a point in my life when I wanted to be LAPD. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was married and really I, I took the the written test um, I took the psychological test and then there was the going into the academy that I obviously didn't do. Mm-hmm. And it was like right before that I was going to figure out when that was going to happen, basically. And this robbery went down. Oh, wow. And all these cops were shot like they were shot in two places, typically either in the butt or the foot. And it was because they were running because their guns weren't any match for what these guys had. They actually had to go to a gun store in that area and commandeer guns from this place to be able to have weapons that matched what these guys had. That's crazy. And so because of this, it was like all over the news and we were like, I was watching with my, with my, my wife at the time, she was like, no way. No, yeah. you cannot become a police officer. She's mm. like, I want no part of that. Like, I don't want to worry about my <laughs> husband coming home at night. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so no, yeah. that this is that, this is into that discussion. <laughs> and I saw it and I was kind of like, I kind of still want to do it, but I'm, I'm married. And yeah. You know what I mean? And so I, I think it was a good choice. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was kind of an interesting time. And then they make light of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we talk about so many of these films, like that is kind of how we deal with hard things sometimes is sometimes. to make light of it. Yeah. Anyway, shoot out. I love how Rosewood at points like tries to stand up and say, "Police freeze!" Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so adorable. <laughs> it's just it's so silly, but yeah, he he really is has like a, almost a this just little bit of a naive, pure heart something yeah, yeah, yeah to him yeah, and so they clear out all the bad guys on the outside. Yeah, but then Axel he's still looking for Jenny. Yes. And he finally finds Zach. Vict- oh, Zach first. He finds That's Zach right. first. And so him and Zach are kind of having a go back and forth. Finally gets Zach yeah. oh, and right. kills Zach. And then as he's approaching Zach's body, he gets shot. But what's funny is he gets shot in the arm. And when he falls to the ground, it leaves this little tiny red blood spot yeah. on the ground. All of, all of the blood <laughs> in, in movies like this. For instance, when Mickey gets shot yeah, in the head it's like, two times, and it was like, <laughs> yeah. like no, that's not quite what it really looks like. But, but I'm I'm actually okay with it. <laughs> so, yeah. So then he's then he's got Victor yeah. to contend with, yes. and, and and he's shot, and and he's shot. But luckily, he had another clip. Yep. And then he's playing a little cat and mouse with with Victor. Mm-hmm. Victor kind of Victor gets away. And then comes back out with, with Jenny. Jenny. Yes. And so. And now it's, we've got a problem. And I love that Victor says to him, he's like, he goes, 
calm down, old boy. You might hit me. When he's like aiming the gun. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, you're yeah, the one I want to shoot. Yeah, like, like, you got my friend there. <laughs> you're the one I want to shoot. Yeah, like, <laughs> this is. But what was interesting to me is typically in these interactions, you see the the hero submit really quickly. Yes. And that does not happen no, in this film. He he keeps his gun on him. Mm-hmm. Never takes it off. He of never him. does. Nope. And he, I don't feel like he was ever going to just put his gun down. And then never. all of a sudden, here comes the lieutenant. Bogomil comes in and Jenny does the, the toe stomp, elbow to the suplex that makes it to where Victor Maitland is exposed and Eddie and Bogomil just unload on them. They both do. They empty the clip in them, both of them. And actually, when <laughs> what was kind of funny to me, though, is when it's clearly it's a stump devil who's going down the stairs. Yeah. For as much gunfire that was just unloaded onto Victor's body, yeah. it's like, this guy is dead. Yeah, no this doubt. This is a corpse. But when the body's falling down the stairs, you can tell the guy's alive. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and then now, all of a sudden again, the captain comes and he's pissed because he sees Axel there. And then you see Bogomil step in and give the super cop story. So great. It's so great. I love it. It's a joint Detroit Beverly Hills undercover investigation, you know, and, and Axel was there merely as a, a viewer, you know, he wasn't truly involved, you know, and goes through the whole story. And then you're worried again that, Taggart is gonna break down and not right back him up. Be and, a team player, Taggart. Yeah. Come on. And so, and I think that the captain knows this about Taggart. And, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. he immediately goes, Taggart, what happened? And you see him for a second. It's like he thinks about it for a second, and he goes, "Happened just the way the lieutenant said it." You see Eddie, and he's got that Eddie Murphy yeah. smile. You know, it's all his teeth and. Oh, the guy checking him out at that at the end. Yes, the director. Is it okay? That's awesome. I did not know that. But then they come up and they're like, "Yeah, so the Beverly Hills Police Department is gonna take care of his bill. So you know, charge that to, to get a us. couple of them. Uh, yeah, he's like, get a couple, get a couple of those, uh, these robes. He's like, Rosewood. You know, you're my friend. I love you. I want you to have this robe to remember me by. <laughs> and then he wants to give it to Taggart, and Taggart says no. And he's like, you should just keep it for yourself. And he's like, I already got you know two in my suitcase. Yeah. So here, take this. And Taggart takes it too. Um, Axel looks at me and goes, what, you're not going to say goodbye? Yeah. And then they like look at him and he goes, because you're going to follow me yeah. out of town anyway, right? And they're yeah. like, yeah. yeah. And he's like, well, I was going to stop That's and get me. a drink. <laughs> I know this place. And, You're gonna love you know, it. Yeah, and they're and he's like and, and Rosewood looks at Taggart and Taggart goes, It's okay. Yeah. A couple of beers won't kill us. Yeah. And it's it's really great because yeah. Axel I feel is pre- pretty much unchanged. Throughout the whole movie. Yeah, like he he is who like so often in, in films, you know, you see a lot of change in a character, your Emotion protagonist. And, but yeah. he was on a mission and he completed his mission. No doubt about it. And he is not changed like in in a typical way, mm-hmm. whereas the other characters are slightly more changed. For sure. But it's not this huge, grandiose, like, revolutionary change. It's it's that little nudge, yeah, you know, yeah. that it's like where Taggart's like, you know, he can make that little concession there. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool. Yeah. One thing I wanted to tell you about this movie. Okay. Right after the, sc- the first screening, not mm-hmm. opening weekend, first okay. screening for the executives. Yes. They greenlighted the second one. 
Really? Yep. They wow. knew. They just were like, this is gold. I think they even had, if I remember correctly, I don't think it lasted very long, but there was a Beverly Hills Cop TV series. There wasn't. It didn't. Yeah. yeah. It didn't last very long. And then I even think there was a Beverly Hills Cop 4. They're talking about it. Is that they what keep, it is? Yeah. They keep, okay. I think they're still, you know, trying to decide. Yeah, yeah. But another thing I forgot to tell you at the top was mm. this is the first of seven Eddie Murphy movies okay. in a row to open at number one in the box office. Wow. That's so impressive. It really is. The dude was, a, is a, I can't say was, is a friggin' star. Like, yeah. I, I know this is your turn to pick and we hadn't discussed and I actually was going to come in and ask you what you were going to choose oh, yes. as far as the uh -huh. next movie. I went with Total Recall. Oh, I love it though. Total Recall is one of my favorite Arnold movies. It's crazy because we haven't done two we haven't done two movies by the same director yet. Okay. But now we will. Now we will. Because Yep. The guy that did Starship, uh, Troopers. Starship Troopers. Sweet. Super, sweet. super awesome. I'm excited about it. Um I also was thinking about how we had a review. And someone said, we're in California. You have to do the governator. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, and that was the tipping point for me. So this is for yes, you. This, this is, is for you. here's your Arnold, your, our first Arnold film, Total Recall. Thank you for your review. We really appreciate we it. We really appreciate it. And so here's that Arnold. Arnold, come with me if you want to live. Ah, get in the chopper. Okay, I don't, I'm not very good, but I try. <laughs> it all works. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Get in the chopper. So that's what we're going to do. Nice. I'm super excited. Yeah, it thank, should be fun. Yeah, thank you for picking a great movie. No problem. You're the bomb.com. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You guys are all awesome. Um, we really appreciate it. We do. Subscribe, share, tell your friends about it. Yeah. Please. And so with that, I say good night. Good night, all. All right. Bye. Thank you again for downloading. We hope you liked it. Real Nostalgic is produced by Hollis Lazzarini with additional support from me, Terrence McHenry. Our logo was designed by Carissa Westfall. Please check out our website, realnostalgic.com. Like, share, subscribe, and write to us. We'd love to hear from you.